Holmberg's morning sickness. The old method of treatment for a person in this condition was to throw him in jail. There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Good morning, everybody. Hello there. Welcome to Tuesday. It is 545. My name's John. There's Brady. There's Brett. There's Toledo. This is the morning sickness. And uh, I don't think you can start any day better than Sympathy for the Devil. That one is great. Just a great song. I remember uh, we did that for the Night of the Singing Dead a couple of years ago. And all through the times we're working on it, I'm like, I don't know. So long. Just, I don't know. Is this something that's. And we did that thing. When we were on stage, I'm like, the crowd was just eating that song alive. And they know everywhere. And we're like, oh my God. Imagine what that would be like if this was a quality, like, uh, band. <laughs> Not to say the guys aren't good. I'm just saying, you know, like, you know, something more than what we're doing. It's hard to say, but I actually prefer it to the to the Stones Same. version. It's a tough I mean, one. It is. You listen to the Stones after that, and you're like, okay, this thing's pretty great. Yeah. You can't help but do the background so singing, though. So the hoot hoots. Yeah, yeah. It's no, just I mean, addictive. And you listen, and you and you, uh, the lyrics of it are brilliant. It's uh, and we happen to have a little privy inside information from knowing uh, Alan and the dude who used to be the manager for Guns and Roses. And it's a story that is told very often. He hated this. Oh, yeah. Didn't want it to be something the band did. He didn't at all think it was a quality cover. He just thought it was garbage. Still to this day, heels in the dirt. Alan Niven says, nope, I hate that one. Just crazy. He said it at my house once. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's the worst song I've ever heard. It's the worst cover. It's the worst cover any rock band's ever done. Alan. And I just was like, I don't know. You're, you're crazy. And I didn't. Really, and then I kind of got to know the song even more, and I'm like, Jesus, this is one of the best. It might be one of the best rock covers of a song incredibly well known. But Alien Ant Farm on the other <laughs> yeah, hand, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's good at Alien Ant Farm. Okay, yeah, Niven is uh, his unique brain, but oh, yeah, yeah, he did not want that thing out released anything, which is crazy. And sometimes those guys have those things in documentaries about rock bands where like the the band's manager didn't want this, this, and this, and he was dead right. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they're not right at all, and they're just they swing and miss on that. I watched the Wham documentary yesterday. It's been out for a while. Yeah, I yeah. watched that. Did you see it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes you really like Andrew Ridgely. It makes you sit back and go, man, that Andrew Ridgely is one of. The, it and was, how they got along? For what so a marvelous long. friend he was yeah. to sit and go. This guy's got everything I don't have. I'm here to ride the coach. I'm here for bit. the party. <laughs> I'll, I'll take yeah. I'll take the ride until he takes off. And George Michael took off. He's the one that brought him brought him to the party. Right, but how many? People listened to Careless Whisper on that demo tape and went, garbage, bring us something good. And you're like, whoops. Yep. You just missed out on a couple hundred million sales. It's insane. But yeah. And it's still humble to the, you know, all the way to the, uh, what was it, the Live Aid where he's invited to come out there. He's yeah. like, I don't need to be out there. I'll go, but I'm not really anything anyway. Yeah. He, he recognized, uh, I don't, I'm not in it anymore. I didn't realize that George did that much behind the Me scenes. No. I didn't know he was producing and right. I mean, I just thought he was just the pretty yeah. boy up there singing it. Isn't it amazing that a documentary can do? Because here we are, four dudes, 50s. Yeah. 
You know, that Wham wasn't half, half bad, actually, <laughs> now that I think it. Like, Wham was the biggest joke for, oh, for to, me. And, oh, yeah. I had one friend. Uh, it was girls that mostly loved the right. Wham. And like, oh, they just wanted gosh. to have sex with them. They didn't care about them. Because the clothing. Yeah. <laughs> the clothes, yeah they, yeah. they wanted to dress like those girls <laughs> did. And when I say girls, I mean Andrew and Michael. Uh, George, the, uh, the crazy part is, is that their songs were crap. And now I listen back, and I'm like, that's actually a really good song. Careless Whisper is a great song. Oh, yeah. That was more George Michael with Wham. But the uh, you've got a you got a couple of them where you're like, that's a great song. Like Wake Me Up Before You Go Go is just pop trash. But and a couple of the other ones are absolute garbage. Wham was mostly garbage, but a couple decent hits. You're like, eh, Wham wasn't bad. And I forgot how prolific they were. That documentary was really interesting, mainly because it's. Uh, it reminded me of me and Brady. You know, I'm the hot, talented, sexy one. He's sort of just around. Uh, he's but, the Andrew? Yeah, he's sort of that. I mean, I'm clearly the, you know, the, the super talent, ready to launch, super hot. I mean, really just, hot. Just happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. and you're just kind of there. And it's like, there's Brady. I'm like, God, this, I can relate to this a lot. <laughs> like being so sexy and stuff. And having my friend just come to like, hey. You're so sexy. And that's what Brady says to me all the time. And I'm like, eh, we're pretty much like Wham. We're pretty whammy. <laughs> but, yeah, that would be tough to be the friend of the guy who's, like, you were, like, it would be the, that's the ugly duckling thing. Like, you were always kind of the, the cute one. And your buddy was the chubby little, you know. It would be like if Brady just took off and could sing like an <laughs> angel and then got skinny and chicks wanted to bang him. And then it turns out he's super gay. Yeah, that's kind of us. I'm the really hot, gay, talented one, and you're, you're uh, Andrew Ridgely. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing to sit and look at your friend and go, he's hot, he's good, and I'm not. I'm just going to. I'm just going to burn through all the chicks I can before I'm forgotten. And then they didn't really get into The one thing I was disappointed with was they didn't really tell us what Andrew Ridgely's up to. Well, it was like they ran out of time. It's like, all right, right. that's it, we're done. Because they didn't even talk about, like, George afterwards. Well, like, Right, and I kind of I read about that, that the Wham! documentary was built to go until Wham! ended. Yeah. So it really wasn't supposed to go into the George. There's a documentary about George that's really good. Too, oh, really? It's on Showtime or something. It's like, whoa. This dude had not only had demons because of all the hiding and stuff like that, but was constantly working. Like, his his brain made Never songs stopped. all the time. And it, they were good. He's he was really prolific, but uh, you know, too busy with all those dicks. <laughs> so he didn't really get as much done as that he seemed needed. to get in the way a little a bit. A lot, the tail yeah, end. it was a lot in the way. But uh, they didn't like. That's what I would have wanted from that. It's like, of course, we know what happened to George. Yeah, Andrew is you know working at the cardboard box factory. I don't know what he does. Did he make enough to live off of land? Oh, yeah. You think? Oh, yeah. Uh, the tours and stuff yeah, they did. Probably, they did and, worldwide stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I know at early on, George cut him in on the, you know. On the earlier stuff? Yeah. yeah okay. That could be it. He just might have. They were always, uh, wasn't it? Um, I would have. They are always uh, 50-50, no matter what, on the Wham thing. Oh, I'm sure Wham was 50-50, but. I think the writing, though, George wound up, I think they wound up splitting right. off at that point. And just well, because he was that. writing everything right, alone. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. trying, he's basically living on the, uh. Forty million, his net worth is estimated. Andrew Ridgely, yeah, he'll be all right. Good on him. That's pretty good. It was a good documentary, though. I was shocked for being the side guy, basically. Yeah, for, it's it's a strange thing. So I'm like, he's right. Oates. He's John Oates. He's just uh, all right. I'm gonna ride this a little bit. <laughs> this guy says, John, you went from uh, you and Brady went from Bozo and Cookie from the Bozo Show. You don't remember that to George Michael and Andrew. What what a turnaround! It's true. I mean, Brady was a Brady was the Cookie to my Bozo. 
And now he's the uh, Andrew Ridgely to my incredibly gay, hot, sexy talent, which I, one of these days I'll just break out. You'll see. They don't even have that many albums. Uh-oh, like three, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, nothing. And they just exploded. Huge. Forgot how big it was. I just, I forgot. I thought it was the Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and uh, the whatever that boy's song is. It's just terrible. And then they have that. I'm like, oh, yeah, they've got like six or seven other big hits that I didn't even think about. They were big. It's a, it's a good doc, but it, I always laugh at how documentaries change your perception of everything. Like it's a, it just proof that the visual medium can take you and just manipulate your thoughts to thinking that's not a murder. I mean, that the, the one that really woke me up was making a murderer. The whole country was writing letters to free this guy and. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, it was nuts. I was like, oh, they didn't do it. It's such a scam. And it was the just Innocence a, Project or the whatever. The way it was it. manipulated. And then I listened to that podcast Larry told me to listen to that's like deconstructing making of a murderer. And it was everything they didn't include in the courtroom was just cut and dry guilt. But if you only watched one half of the court case, you would believe that he was framed and everything else. He wasn't. That guy killed that girl and buried her right there and... Their bone chips were all over that fireplace and her keys in the car. and Everything an investigator looks for is right there. And the stuff that they didn't include in the documentary to be a one-sided documentary was like the, the, the prosecutor that was on. I think it was Mark Garagos did that whole thing. He goes, the prosecutor's on with me, and he's this, this, and this. And he's like, yep, bone fragments, blood, keys, hair. Uh, you know, he was following her around. I mean, this is a, this is a one hundred percent. Just he's our guy. When that Rav Four came up to the place, right? His own his only beef as the prosecutor in that documentary was we did narrow in on him pretty heavily, which can make a you know the one thing a defender is supposed to do is go. You have no one else you've looked at. Of course, you're pinning all your hopes and dreams on my client because they knew how guilty he was. So their only out was you're framing him. It's the OJ defense. When it's so obvious it's one guy, they're going to go to the, you're framing him and, and look for your mistakes rather than his innocence. And that was what I kind of like, man, that documentary had me spinning. I was about to write a letter. So did they ever interview the guy that did the documentary after the fact? Uh, like, you know, know. You, well, it was the lawyers that were behind that mostly that, and then they wanted their case out for a, before the dude the was in jail drive. for another thing prior to that. And that was the big thing is that he was in jail for something he didn't do the first time. So, like, they got him again. It's like, why would they waste $35 million trying to get this guy twice? Who cares? It was, but that documentary had you believing, man. Had you believing. Some of them, like that Murdoch or, or whatever. Brandon. So, yeah, yeah. That, that kid was as dumb as a stump. He needs to be in state care. The second, the, the other brother, when you're like, he's innocent. That dude was so dumb. That his first question after he was told he's got life in prison was, does this mean I'm going to miss the WWE SmackDown? It's like, yes, you dumb <laughs> You're in jail for murder forever. But do I get to go to SmackDown? All right, put him in a cell. This guy shouldn't be out with us at all. The one with the redheaded people, or the Murdochs or Murdoz or whoever, yeah. the recent one, that one is pretty much like, okay, you guys all did it. Pretty like cut that, and dry. <laughs> that documentary doesn't have a second side. It was uh, trying think. to, that's a complete cover-up. It seems like that one's like, hmm. You know, and if you go back in this show, and it's starting to come to fruition now, not to say that I'm, you know, the, the Long Island medium or anything, but uh, I called the blind side a pile of <laughs> that was not true. Uh, that movie 
had zero truth to it all. There's Sandra Bullock getting well, her but Oscar. Well, but were you calling it uh, phony for those, for those reasons? Complete or? lies. None of what happened happened. It was a, Remember I went on that tirade trying to get a black lefty? Because yeah. the blind side, not only could I get him to play, but I don't have to love him. My big beef on that thing was they in. never loved that kid. They cashed in on Michael Orr. Uh, they, they found a huge black, and they were that rich white family. That, that's all they did. You hear the words you say sometimes? I mean, who talks like that? Holmberg's Morning Sickness. They went out and did rich white people things, which is they bought themselves a black, and they put him out there, and they made sure, and they got him when he was 18, which was brilliant. It certainly doesn't look good. No. He, oh, my they, gosh. They, but Brady, it never has. Why people, people put the movie Sandra Bullock, uh, Tim McGraw blinders on and went, I just love that Tui family. Can you imagine they taking in a black, doing all that for him? Otherwise, he'd have just stabbed his way right into jail. Everybody had it in their heads. That if they didn't save this, it was the most, like, I don't know what black person likes the movie Blindside. Because it basically says, we drug this savage out of the jungle and made him a human. I mean, they, it's the worst movie ever. And my hatred for Sandra Bullock grew and grew and grew in that movie. That taints it for some people. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. It's a movie of the week. It's, it's not even a good after school special. And it's offensive. I'm white, and I'm like, I want to I wanna march with Black Lives Matter after watching that Michael Orr movie. Well, now it's coming out. Michael Orr is even like, they made me sign deals that I couldn't make my own contracts. and Never adopted him. Ne- well, they, well they became, there's truth to the reason why they didn't adopt him is because yeah. you can't adopt somebody who's 18. So you get a conservatorship. That's so what he, they went So for, he yeah. can, uh, bec- and the big reason why, and this is true, and the, the dad came out and said this. He's like, look, I was a huge booster to Ole Miss. Uh, the college rules stated that if I was helping him get into Ole Miss and I wasn't anything involved, it's a booster violation. We wanted to keep it on the up and up. So if I have a conservatorship, yeah. I am in control of his situation. I signed that. and then, But, you know, they never had intentions of loving him. It was all like, get me a black. My kids aren't athletes. Get me a black. Yeah. And I started getting so me a black. So they do the movie deal. Yeah, but everybody. And it goes to the um Bullock, the husband and wife, yeah. and the two kids. Yeah. Not he, he Michael. He got 14000 bucks. That's all he got? Yeah. Straight up. And that's all the oh. family evidently got. But he's claiming that they got more and that he never had oh, a chance. Oh, they got the thing went. But the movie, the, if the family the, what, signed a deal. Million or? If the family signed a deal that they didn't get money, they just get a payout for the story. That'll come out later. That's obvious. That'll that'll just be paperwork. But yeah. that whole that whole thing was such a, and I hate to even say this, it was just such a, a shine of a story that, like, you know, they just blasted this big, beautiful, polished job on an absolute – it's the most racist movie in American history. Song of the South is, is like a Martin Luther King special compared to The Blind Side. I never watched it. Oh, it's horrible. And it's, a, and it's a story that makes you go, all right, go get yourself an unloved black and turn him into an athlete and then reap the rewards. And by the way, the guy was already loaded. He had sold a bunch of fast food restaurants for a couple hundred million dollars. He was totally taken care of. This was a hobby, uh, you know, uh, buying blacks and making them athletes and then taking, you know, taking I all the credit. I didn't realize how many books Michael Orr has written already. He's like on number three, I think. Yeah, well, he's and he was no dummy either, and they yeah. they made him an idiot in the movie. That was his biggest beef yeah. in this whole thing. Oh, that that like, that movie's that that's been a thorn in my side since it started. And then he went to the Ravens, and I'm like, good. F- 
you. I hope you never made a penny, you piece of garbage. Yeah, and that's when I started. You remember on this show, I'm like, that movie isn't a good film, a feel-good film. It's modern-day slave trade, and evidently they found a loophole to make it legal, and us whites can do that now. And then you notice uh, Brad Pitt did it. Madonna did it. Like, they all started going out and getting themselves, uh, you know, a future athlete and didn't really pan out for any of them, or dancer or rapper or something. They had bad talent recruiting. Yeah, they just, they're just just not good scouts. The Tuies were brilliant. They went out there, and she wanted to be the – she wanted the pats on the back for having – uh, you know, a black person in their house. Look at us. We're different. We're so special. Because in Mississippi or Tennessee or wherever the hell they were from, yeah. in their neighborhood, Mississippi. that was probably not kosher. Having that intimidating 265-pound black kid wandering around their country club and stuff had to make everybody in the Bible Belt in the South feel like, oh, boy. The twoies are at it again. You just watch. We're going to make some money. <laughs> you see what we're doing. You don't look at him like that. We're the Tui family, and Michael's part of it. Isn't that right? Make a grunt or something, Michael. Let the people know your people. If you get him so mad, he's like the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, look Smash. at him. Michael, make make a couple noises for them to know that you're, you understand. I speak the language, Mrs. Tui. Those grunts mean he agrees. <laughs> Yeah, that movie is a farce, and it was the thing to make you feel Too good. Too late, them. feel good about them. That was the gross part about it. It was them patting themselves on the back, and I'm like, he's a human being. She stood up to those people. Yeah, but, but it was it was the white savior thing that yeah. I've always kind of laughed at because I'm like, wow, that that's the real racism. Everybody points to racism for everything else. That white savior thing in movies and culture that's a real deal, and none bigger. Than the blind side. None. Ever. And a white people, I guarantee you, white people left that movie. And what a wonderful story. Oh, of Could course. you imagine taking in a savage, Todd? <laughs> I can't. Those people are amazing. And every black people left and went, what the f*** was that? We're, we're human beings. We don't need white people to come rescue us from our own mothers. Now I'm mad. Why? You Never didn't get paid one? off for our family. <laughs> yeah, you guys. We had 11 <laughs> attempts. You guys traveled the world bringing in diversity. You were the twoies trying to show off to the rest of the neighborhood that you'll let savages in your house. Because the rest of them were like, Jesus Christ, that Bogan family sure looks like the UN. And that was, it's more just, you know, it's a country club show. It's a nice thing to do, but it is a country club show because you're, like you, took yours, you're the most authentic one. You took yours to show and tell. That's how rare it was to have a black in your neighborhood. He took Olive to show and tell. Look! (laughs) Behold the Negro live in person. And then he pulled a curtain off of her head. There she lives, just amongst us. Six foot six in heels. Make a grunt, Olive. Let them know you're alive. The WNBA wasn't around then. <laughs> okay, no you had your athlete. Yeah. But that's how you know that it was just the, you know, privileged people that were like, I have a black. Want to see it? It was that's terrible now. You would never do that today. But it made sense back then. But that Tui family's in a fight now with Michael Orr. Like, I'm tired of you guys acting like I wouldn't have done anything on my own. This dude was a prospect going in. That's why they grabbed him. You could have had any poor black kid. You picked one that happened to be like 6'5", 235 out of high school. And you're like, he's going to put on another 25 pounds. We can get him into Ole Miss. And remember the big battle in the thing was... The school that he was going to go to was either his school or her school. Yep. And they were basically boosters trying to help their O-lines. 
and after the fact, the the big money came in, you know, a lot when she went on her uh, personal speaking oh, she, tour she and was, wrote a book. She was a hero. Just a huge. She huge made herself, money. and she was proud to be a hero. Instead of saying, "I don't know what the big deal is," I adopted a child, a human being. Yeah, but it was a black one. <laughs> we can't imagine that here in the South. Did it live inside with you? <laughs> yep, yep, it did. Yeah. My God, look at that. Shoes off, right? You always house? said, well, did it wear shoes or was it just running around Ooga Booga? <laughs> that's what, when you watch that movie, that's what it is. I'm thrilled. It took, you know, their yard looks spectacular. It, it took 20 years, but I'm thrilled this finally came to light because this, that movie is. And like Michael Orr's been trying to say it the whole time. I was just going to say, why all of a sudden did this come out? Well, he, somehow, I, well, I don't know. You he's, know he's been he was, saying it for his, 20 his, years. His oh, really? Beef, yes. He's been saying the way, the, after the movie came out and everything, from day one, he's like, I looked absolutely stupid. And he said, what that's not what happened. Here? Yeah. None of this is real. Yeah. Like, the family took me in. I think I, he was basically one of those kids that's like, in order to go to this school, he had to go to this district. And somehow his mom and the, the Tui family made an agreement to say he can stay with us. And they're like, we'll take him in. He wasn't some deadbeat on the street, you know, ready. His mom, or yeah, something. his mom's like, you know, let's, his mom was there to sign, help sign the conservatorship so he could have a better, like she was doing it all. She never got any Get credit. Get him a better movie. education. Get him in better, a better spot. Yeah. She couldn't provide it. So like these people are willing to do it. This is great. They basically were, you know, a lily pad while he leapt over the, the pond. And he's saying he's been saying it since he eh, it's it's like he didn't want to be a jerk right off. He's saying it's okay. It's not really what happened. I'm not a huge fan of the movie. And I remember Al Michaels was like, I can't believe he doesn't like the movie. It's such a great film about, you know, how he was running through the jungles. And then Kevin Bacon came by, got a basketball team and then found him and gave him to the twoies. If you watch that, like movies like Cool Runnings, The Air Up There, uh, The Blind Side, none of those are. Like, that's real true. Like, wow, this is, we should be embarrassed of this. You just find these wild Africans and you put them in a bobsled and say, we're going to make you guys have, it's like keeping Jamaican a, yeah, a bobsled. We're going to keep a puppy busy, is basically. They're, otherwise, they'll run wild. <laughs> Get me a white to tame these savages. But at least, you know, they're still bobsledding after that sure. movie, years after. Sure. But they're still putting what, together a Brady? team. Guess what? They were before. They just didn't have the means. So people, nobody went they to. They couldn't make it to the big show. Truth of the matter is, no fat white guy was sitting in Jamaica at Atlantis going, those guys look like good bobsledders. They were doing something already. They didn't have the means. A Canadian official came down and said, I'm hearing about these Jamaicans. Because why? Toronto is the second largest Jamaican population in the world. So word got out in Toronto, got back to this Canadian group, said these dudes are fast athletes. They can do this. And I'm going to put them in a bobsled, see if they can do it. They were already. They were just trying to find a spot for this athleticism, but they treated it like four idiots that could just run fast. Like like white guy had an idea. What if we stuck him in a bobsled? It's not how it is. Not what happened. Everyone, Kevin Bacon flying over to Africa to find tribal. It happened, man. That's I right. know. That's what white whitey wants to believe. That's the blackest I get. Like, I watch those things, and I'm like, I try to watch from the Give black perspective. Give me that perspective. peach basket. Let yeah. me nail it to a pole. Now, take this ball. And that's what's great about me being racist towards all races, including my own. I can see through our bull 
pretty fast. There's still stuff I swing and miss on, like that thing that guy taught me a couple weeks ago when he's like, I don't know why you guys are so excited about these aliens. That opened my eyes because I'm white. Of course I'm excited about visitors. I've never been oppressed before. I don't even, it's not, it's not my first thought. That dude that was in here with uh, Tony, it was like, yeah, he made. Every ship that lands on a shore and says, hi, how are Welcome. you? Welcome. Like I thought, I'd just run over to those. Hi, how you doing? My name's John. Welcome. Have a beer. And then they <laughs> obliterate me and take my house. I'm like, what's this? This has never happened to us whites before. You hear the words you say sometimes? I mean, who talks like that? Holmberg's Morning Sickness. Yeah, that was when I'm like, oops, yep, there's some of that. There's some of that whiteness that comes out in me because they were smart enough to go hide from that. Hide from that. Let them prove themselves. I would love to go hang out with the aliens because I assume they're going to be cool. You just might learn something. Right. <laughs> Albert taught us a lot. I hope you walk away with this one thought, Rudy. Anybody who doesn't look like you is probably going to steal your s***. <laughs> That's truth. Yeah, it's weird, but that blindside thing is going off right now. It'll be now. interesting to see how much money. Yeah. I hated that if movie there was. from Jump. Hated that movie from Jump. The, the second it came out, hey, I don't like Sandra Bullock. Something about her rubs me the wrong way, so I didn't like that at all. And then she won awards for it. She won Best Actress for that thing. That movie was... It was more of a after-school special. Oh, yeah. so incredibly average. But the story was the biggest, the coolest part about it, and then you, you kind of when it first came out, I bought into it a little bit. Like, but what's wow. what's the story? It's offensive. He's a human being. It's not like they took some you know the they troglodyte and made him. They, they make it seem like they took someone who wasn't human and made him human well, by letting him live with the whites. Well, the story that you bought into is this kid. You know, like they helped a kid get over his fear of being bullied, and you know that he side was of it. Six and four, two twenty five. He was yeah. going to make it out of that. <laughs> He's, yeah, white, and again, no black people could ever help him do that. No one in his community was ever going to help him not be bullied. It had to be rich he white people. Lived that long, <laughs> right? That's what they had to believe. Yeah. He was definitely going to get shot to death. Yep. We all, as whites, know that's his path. <laughs> if it weren't for rich whites, I, I watched that thing as if I were black. I was the blackest guy in the theater when that was out. I'm like, come on! I'm talking to the screen. The rich white bitch doesn't stop anything. It was, and I thought she was a horrible person. Even in the movie, she seemed really kind of overbearing and annoying. I hated Snotty. that movie. Hated that movie. I didn't buy into that strong. at all. Strong. She's a strong woman. Yeah. I never. Husband was a spineless jellyfish. Yeah, he was a, he was a oh, whatever you want, darling. Which I truly believe because she's the one that wanted all the. She's the one who got all the credit for his career. Yep. Like she's the one. If it weren't for me, Mike Lord would be dead in the streets. Look at him. He's a raven. That's because of me. I can't no. remember. Did they bring her up in the booth at any time? In the- she was all over the place for a while. Her and Sandra Bullock. They were palling around. Aren't we amazing whites? We are amazing whites. So I don't need to see this? No, you could watch it for the fun of like how horrible. It's tiptoes. It's essentially oh, okay. like right. tiptoes. It's supposed, to be well, a, it has- it's supposed to be a feel-good movie. But what it is is like just a really offensive trot through misery and, and, and you know, just... And it's too late Savior. for the NCAA to investigate because there are some wow. wrongdoings. Now there. they don't even care. Oh, I'm sure it was all crooked. It was pretty. It was. 
It's Tiptoes. Tiptoes okay. had the idea of going, wow, we're going to do something really nice for the littles. And then it was horrible. And the blind side was the same way. Yeah, I've been an advocate against the blind side from jump. And even the dude, when he went, you know, he ended up playing for the Panthers, so I didn't care about him after that. When he was a Raven, I was rooting for the Tuies to come, you know, drag him back into the mean streets and you know, fulfill his destiny. Brett, the difference in conservatorship gave them the authority to handle all his financial and legal affairs. If they adopted him, he would have retained those rights. Right. Well, they couldn't adopt him because he was over he 18. He was 18. Yeah. But, well, you could... You have to make all I thought sorts he came of special in at seventeen no, at one time. He was time. eighteen when they adopted it. When they did the conservatorship, and that's the whole point: yeah. is that he was there because he was playing sports and stuff. In their in like, we'll just we'll just house him. You know, we can he can stay here basically. And then when they realized, oh, this old Miss thing, we're trying to get him to old Miss. It looks real crooked because we're not really family. Family's the only one that can do this. So they just became conservators. And his and his mother was there to say, "Great idea." She was at the conservatorship meeting. Was she getting a cut. I hope so. Yeah. The movie also made it seem like, he, um, you know what? You should try football. He's never played right. this before. He and he had no since idea he was in the seventh concept, grade. But she taught him how to become, right. you know, how <laughs> to make it again. Plans. It is, you guys missed it the first time with that whole hearts in your eyes thing about how Americana this. It isn't. It is, it is white saves savage black. It is a terrible message. Hilarious, but it is not good. And I'm loving that it's blowing up in their face. Loving it. We'll see. Well, I mean, eventually he's going to win. He's got all the money. He's got a couple hundred million dollars. That dude's fine. Rightfully so. And made, what he'll do, if he's smart, is that. just say, sure. Why is there still a conservatorship? Why has he still got that? So it's like, yeah, yeah, do, do your thing. And he'll walk away and they'll just part and they'll never deal with each other again. My guess is, you know, he's going to start going, you ungrateful savage. And he's going to start trying to take his NFL money. Well, his next book is the uh, the tell on yeah. his side. Michael Orr wants that. That's what I think he's yeah. doing. I think he's trying to cut ties with him so he can write a book and go. The Blind Side was bullshit because that's what he's been dying to say for years, and I think he's legally obligated to act like it was great. Once he cuts free, you're going to get the real story, and then it'll be good. I guarantee you that N word flew freely in their house because they felt <laughs> like they had. The right now, because they're like, well, we 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 have one. we owned one, so well, we, we're their one of son, them. their biological son, and Michael were best friends, right? Growing up, right? When he was growing up, what a letdown that kid was. They had to go out and buy a new kid, make an athlete. That story, I love that this thing's a mess because I've hated the Blind Side from the beginning. I hated that that woman got famous. I hated that she loved getting famous. All she did was just what your parents have done. Take in somebody that needed a little help for a second. And not like he was down on his, you know, his all misery. He's like, this will be a better spot for you for a little while while you try to accomplish what you're doing. He knew football. He knew what he was doing. I'm calling my mom today. Why didn't you go for conservatorship? On right. Any of these? Why didn't you actually well, was- purchase one is basically what you're going to ask. The two, he's bought one. What were you thinking? But did you guys have an athlete? No, we, well, we knew see, we had your no problem. talent. And, um, you got to do better scouting. <laughs> yeah, we had one that was. I mean, if there was a professional league for drugs, <laughs> we would have had a hall of famer. <laughs> you had a couple of hall of famers, didn't you? The dude on top of the roof, Walt. Well, Walt's a solid story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the blind side because you guys got blindsided by that. Did you they all, take they him all cost us money. Yeah. Yeah, you guys blew it. Olive's probably the closest thing you had. 
and Olive was uh, already, you know, Olive was probably 24 at the time, and she already had a career going. I didn't know you could buy adults. How did you guys do that? We had a deal. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't know you. That's pretty. We knew We knew a guy. That's a little risk aversion right there. You know, well, we got to. These kids, you never know what's going to happen. What's she up to? She's 24. She, was she on the block? Oh, she's a strong one, sir. <laughs> you could have that one for a pretty penny. The, um, he was over 18, but I guess we could have gotten conservatorship at the time of Poncho. The runner? Yeah. Yeah. Who's a legend now nah. in, in the Bahamas. Want, yeah, but you want, yeah, he's a legend in the Bahamas. All you have to do is get up and go to work. <laughs> he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> get up and go to work on time. You're a legend in the Bahamas. <laughs> I mean, DeAndre Ayton's a legend in the Bahamas. Put him with regular working folk, and that dude is the laziest guy in the court. Yeah, but we could have maybe leveraged a place out there. Sure, yeah. No, you could have, yeah. Nice little getaway. And probably, if you contacted Poncho, you could trade some sauce for a stay in his third bedroom. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Hey, give a shot to Poncho. Poncho, remember me? I about that. I don't remember you. Who are you? I'm that little uh, fella that used to laugh at you, take you to school for show and tell, Brady, <laughs> you little racist girl from Columbus. I'm a boy. Oh, yeah. What you doing, man? I'm just, you know, looking for a place to stay in the Bahamas, but I can't find one. It's all booked up. You tried to stay with me, you little grifter. Maybe. <laughs> Don't people wear fruit hats around Wouldn't here? It would be great if you went out to the Bahamas. And Poncho's like, I love it, the baby, he takes care of me. He's a good man. And his kids are like, can we take you to show and tell? And then you're the <laughs> one reverse. that has yes. to stand in the school. Look at this ivory weirdo. We own him. Does his skin feel like our skin? No, he's cold <laughs> to the touch. Gelatinous. That is the word I would use to describe the touch. Anyway, good luck out there with that. The blind side people. <laughs> Terrible. Hopefully they keep us posted on what's going on. You want to know what really gets you? Think of reversing the races in that movie and how no one would believe it. A wealthy black family takes a white kid in. The only thing makes I can him think Peyton of Manning is- or something. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. It's, oh, it's a far fetched. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's the audience wouldn't buy it, even if oh, it was please. real. But we bought hook line, hook, line, and sinker the lie that was told to us in the blind side. That, well, of course, a white family took in a savage and helped him out. Look at what he would have been versus when the whites got hold of him. <laughs> it's terrible. We white we whitewashed Michael Orr, and I think that's what he's most mad about. Is that they're like, well, they whitewashed him, and then he became someone. Otherwise. Drugs and guns. <laughs> if you had a story where a wealthy black family took on a troubled white kid and sent him to the best school, like he ends up in Howard, like he, <laughs> he goes to the school they went to, it's like no one would buy it. This isn't real. <laughs> what they'd turn it into is this little white kid. You know, he showed them the way. They had a chip on their shoulder about whites, and he really showed them how, the, how much this, the kid would have been a hero. Hollywood is as far advanced. The closest example of that might be, it's still not even anywhere close, but Rachel Dolezal. She ended up <laughs> right. going to those schools, right. you know, rich white family. <laughs> she had to lie and pretend to be black in order to make that work. Hollywood always talks about how progressive and, you know, woke and everything else. They're the ones who perpetuate all the problems. 
They would ne- they would they'd look at the audience and go, we can't do a movie about a black family owning a white. People won't buy it. It's happened. I'm positive it's happened. Imagine if the Fresh Prince was a white kid. <laughs> Why would they send him there? <laughs> He's not going to get along with their African ways. It's going to send him down a bad path. Yeah. Nope. Wouldn't happen. Yeah. Fresh Prince is... The good thing they did with the Fresh Prince is they made it his family instead of some white... Ri- like, you know, what different strokes is another you know example of... Of course, the black parents died. And luckily, they knew a rich white man who would take in their was savage he, children. He, how did... Oh, it was the maid, right? Uh-huh. It was... Their mom was... Yeah. Mr. Yep. Drummond's maid. Okay. It was, was the original Mrs. Garrett. I didn't know if he was just cruising Harlem and said, hey, well, there's two. Come on in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look at that. Jump on the Cadillac. I got two straight. <laughs> I was driving around in the Cadillac and they just glued themselves to it. Yeah. It's, the, it's racism. It's constant racism. <laughs> Webster. It's very believable for a white audience, for an American audience to go, oh, of course. Little lost black kid, his parents blew it somehow or another. We didn't even know how Arnold and uh, Willis's parents died. Car accident, if you're curious. But it was probably, you know, assumed drugs were involved. Like, that's just, I mean, they probably blew it. Orphaned their children. And I think Webster... hit the lottery that day. uh, Of course. Webster's uh, did the same thing. He played football with Webster's dad. They were somehow or another, of course, murdered in gangland violence, because that's what happens even to former NFL blacks. And then uh, his white friend in the, you know, Brian Piccolo type story was the savior for Webster. Uh, You got to, well, don't forget the jerk, though. I mean, that's hey. the and, that's and look the like you're, you know what you're exactly that's right. Gross. That's the only one where a black family adopted a white kid, and it happened to be the dumbest man on the planet. That's the only way it would have worked for the audience. We laughed hysterically at the concept. Meanwhile, Different Strokes was the number one show on TV while the jerk came out. But hysterical to assume a black family adopting a white. What for? The new phone books are here. Wouldn't you rather be an orphan? Terrible. The blind side, it's imploding. It took way too long. Way too long. Uh, let's get ourselves a wake-up song and start screaming it together. 585-9800. That's the number. Let's do it. It's 98KUPD. Wake up! Hey, it's not weird. It's pretty cool, actually. No membership fee. I have heard enough of this. 